hey, here we are. This could be considered part two of a series I'm doing on fear, uh, but my intention is that each episode stands alone, so that if you didn't hear part one, uh, you're not lost. This episode, while it's still on the topic of fear, is an entirely different subject matter. In this episode, I want to explore the remedies of the people I spoke with in part one. That is, uh, how did they ultimately get through it, get over it, move past their fears? What was fascinating to me is that I expected them all to be similar, but what I found was there was a nuanced difference between each approach. As you listen, ask yourself, which strategy works best for you? You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. I'll begin with Jim Jacobs, who in part one expressed a fear that so many of us have, the fear of heights. So do you, do you still have a fear of heights? I actually decided to take that on. I, uh, in nice. an undergraduate psychology class, we had to do a project. And so my project was to see if I could overcome my fear of heights through the, like the progressive approximation. Yeah. Um, so I started with the the eighth floor of my college dorm and just going all the way up to the top and standing at the edge. And then I progressed all the way to actually my biggest fear at that time, I think was repelling down the side of a straight, you know, cliff. And, and so I just did these progressive approximations to the thing that I feared the most and it actually worked like facing the fear. Um, I mean, like, like pushing myself literally to the edge of the, the the apartment the first one and and the ultimate end one was like going over the edge you know with only ropes and a and a and a guide to, wow. to go down the mountain so we can call that the face your fear in incremental doses strategy i certainly think there's some value in that method however let's transition to christine meyer for a different perspective Christine wasn't in part one because during our interview, we sort of just launched directly into remedies. She has a keen insight, though, that differs somewhat from the way Jim Jacobs approached his fear of heights. I've had plenty of fears and and some of them are in the moment, not to be controlled by you. So you're going to slam into that car that's coming or you go in the ditch. So there's not much you can do about it in those moments. And in the ter- in terms of any financial uh, demise, if you will, or challenges, there's not a whole lot that you can do in those moments either. So it's kind of like you're flying out of, you've just jumped out of an airplane or you've kind of got to hit the ground. And so you will, you will to some extent. And how do you turn that around? Well, there are plenty of ways to do that. And it, and there's not just one way to do that, but how I've done it for myself is oftentimes, let's take the financial example that you gave here. You panic, you fear, and then you get into that thought zone of 
perpetuating what could happen. So you fear what could happen and you don't want that to happen. And so as you try to continue to resist that, then you just, any action that you take from that place is just going to perpetuate what you don't want to happen. Now, yeah, do you need to sometimes, I've never had to jump and get a job in, in those moments, but but let's say maybe you need to, to, to sort of fix the wound, put a Band-Aid on it and get a job, just get income coming in right away. Sometimes that's a solution, but at some point, no matter what fear we're talking about, at some point, if you want to have a different experience, if you want things to get better for you, and I'll add something to this, you have to find a way to soothe your fear. You have to find a way to soothe your worry. You have to find a way to soothe whatever thoughts you're having because your thoughts are perpetuating your fear. Okay. So are you saying then that, okay, either A, fear is a bad thing because you're going to perpetuate the thing, or are you saying fear is inevitable, but you can, uh, um, mitigated or, or uh, you, yes. you need to smooth it out so that it doesn't perpetuate what you're scared of. Correct. And we, I don't want to fear fear. Right. I want to welcome fear because if I'm in a moment where I'm feeling fear, typically fear means something that matters to you, something you care a lot about. You're, you're perceiving in this moment as it's going to be taken away and you'll never get it, mm -hmm. right? right? So if you care a lot about your health and you get a diagnosis, you're going to mm -hmm. feel a lot of fear because you care a lot about it. You want to live. A lot mm -hmm. of people fear because, because they perceive whatever's happening is going to, to confine them in either their situation or condition, or it's going to keep them from living. They're mm -hmm. going to die. Right. And so I, I'm not, I am saying fear is a good thing. In the sense that it, it lets you know what's happening right now. Something really matters to me. Hmm. And I'm, I'm in a situation where I believe that this isn't going to go my way or I'm never going to have what I want or, or, or pile on the pile of crap that we can pile on to that. Mm -hmm. So accept and acknowledge your fear. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. If you were sitting on a park bench or out in the woods and you heard something and you thought it was a monster or a wolf coming to get you yay for fear get huh. out of there right? right get out of there i would never recommend to try and overcome your fear in the way that many at that say. moment it's like you fall you, you know you're, you're you're afraid of getting on the horse get on it anyway i would i would never encourage you to do that hmm. well let's take something like public speaking like you, you and i both don't seem to have uh, too much trouble uh, in the public speaking forum, but we know that many people do and they are petrified of it. Um, so, you know, using your language there, like, what are you going to do? Just be fearful all the way until, hey, you're on stage in 30 seconds. You know, what kind of preparation might someone do to quell that fear? So that they're not petrified when they walk out on stage. So let's let's think of that. So I said, prepare before you get there, right? Because mm -hmm. everything that once you get there, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Right. So think of either preparing a meal before you eat it. You're you're preparing. You're putting ingredients in that in that meal, and whatever ingredients you're putting in is going to be the result, right? Mm -hmm. So, or think of it like making a, a reservation before you go to the airport to fly someplace, you're making a reservation. So mm -hmm. if I have a fear of public speaking, 
it's valid. It's, but what I'm thinking is usually what that's associated with is people are going to judge me. I don't know if they're going to like me. How am I going to be received? I can't trust their ability to hear and understand what I really mean. Uh, I've been judged before, right? That it's all thoughts really like that. And, and they're valid in that sense that perhaps you've had that experience or you're having those thoughts. So we don't want to discount, but the fear is not necessary in this case. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do? Well, you don't keep saying, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of this. And then just <laughs> blunder into your public speaking thing or stop from doing it. So two things, if you've decided you're going to do some public speaking, because for whatever reasons you decide that you're going to, I highly suggest finding a way to soothe that fear, finding a way to feel more confident. Because if I feel fear, what do I want to feel when I'm public speaking? I want to feel confident. Start mm. thinking about that. Well, how does that feel? And what could I do to build my confidence? What could I do to feel more certain? What could I do to feel more stable on that stage or doing that presentation, right? So now I'm going to point myself, well, that's how I feel, but how would I like to feel? And how can I integrate that and feel that a little bit more? If I've decided I'm really scared of public speaking and I'm not going to do it uh -uh, off the table. It's like, well, then what's the big deal? What's the big deal? If it's something you don't want to do, then for, for me in this case, then I would say, well, all right, I just don't do it. Just don't I do just it. Don't do it. Mm. Just don't do it. So the, the, well, I keep well, activating like, that fear. That's like sky, skydiving for me. Like, you know, <laughs> I could, I suppose I could do all kinds of techniques um, you know, and yeah. to, to alleviate my fears of skydiving, you know, and I could read all the statistics that, you know, 99.9999 or, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, especially if you're tandem with a professional, you know, 99.99% of the time you're going to land safely or whatever it is, you know, I, I could do all that and rationalize it. And, but I, you know why I still don't want to do it like um right. the, the fear is enough that it's not worth the effort to get rid of the fear that's not, it. <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not zen no. it's not zen to, to push through fear it's really not so you see Christine doesn't advocate pushing through fear what about when it's something that you can't avoid you can avoid public speaking if you have a true fear of it um, I can certainly avoid skydiving. But what about when you're in a situation like Michelle and Sook was? A somewhat dire financial situation where her fear was whether or not she would be able to provide for her children. We can call her strategy the grim determination strategy. Uh, so how, how did you get through it? I gritted my teeth and had grim determination. So I recognized it. I, I'm a big believer in leaning into the fear and actually listening to what it's trying to tell you. Mm. Um, and I sat with it for a bit and I thought, okay, what can I do to try and remove that fear? Mm. Given the fact that the fear is not going to disappear overnight, mm. but what's within my gift, what's within my control to try and make sure that that doesn't happen. So I, I guess just to explain a little bit, uh, as to why I found myself in that situation, because I was still in full-time work, was that my, my dad had died. And for one reason or another, um, I found myself 
inheriting a, a house in Spain, but the inheritance laws are very different over there. And it sucked up all of my savings, literally all of my savings. And I had to pay for my dad's funeral costs because the, I don't have any siblings or anything. And I went down to zero in my bank account on my savings. Um, and I've never been in that position. So for me, I've always been very aware of security and the need to provide for myself and my family. But I just sat down myself one day and said, okay, well, it could get worse. It could be that I could be minus money. Right. But let's look at the positives. I have a job. Even if I didn't have this job, I would find another job and I would do what I could to try and earn myself money that then would enable me to be able to save and pay my mortgage and everything else that I needed to do. So I literally decided, I chunked it down almost in terms of here's the big overwhelming kahunas of fear, right? We have this huge thing here, which is I may not have a house anymore. I may have to default on my mortgage payments. Okay, if I chunk it down then, what do I need for my mortgage? Do I earn that? Yes. What do I need to feed my kids? Do I earn that? Yes. Is there a likelihood that I'm going to lose my job in the near future? Probably not, but we were going through a recession, so you don't take it for granted. What can I put in place to try and make sure that the fear doesn't keep biting me on the ass every single day? Yeah. I love that. Without trying, there was a little bit of zen in there, and that's this. Acceptance for the way things are. Michelle realized, okay, it could get worse. She might default on her mortgage. But does she have a job? Does she make enough to continue providing for her children? The answer was yes. So she came to the conclusion that even if her fears, let's say of losing the house, came to fruition, she would still be alive. She would, she could still feed her kids and that she would march on through life. Very inspirational. Now in the next segment, you'll hear Dr. Anna Zakerson mention something called dialectical behavior therapy or dbt in short what you need to know about dbt is that it was designed to help people increase their emotional and cognitive regulation by learning about triggers that lead to reactive states and by helping to assess which coping skills you should apply in the sequence of events thoughts feelings and behaviors to help avoid undesired reactions in other words, there are some fears that arise from something that is beyond your control. In part one, Dr. Anna, who lives in Berlin, talked about getting letters from the German tax office. That's something she couldn't control. You can't control if you get a letter from the IRS or wherever you are, uh, the tax office. It was a trigger for her. Yeah, the lack of control is a phrase that has come up in the, a few other interviews that I've done about this topic so far. It's interesting. Um, and how do you, well, how do you get through it when you have that fear coming on? Um, what do you do to, to quell it? Well, actually I have, I've sat down with myself and I had a, a good think about, you know, what is actually going on in my head. And I've actually, um, decided to, uh, learn more about dialectic behavioral therapy to try to, um, modify my response because of course you know I cannot change the situation it's not like 
I can remove the stressing factor. Like right. the German tax office, it's not going to go away, Anna. It's just probably <laughs> right. going to stay there, you know, after the world ends. It's still going to be there, you know. Right. Uh, the Catholic Church and the German tax office, they will be there when the apocalypse comes. Um, but um, I had to basically uh, solve this in another way. That means, you know, the only thing that I can change is my own response. Mm. So I've actually um, gone about trying to adjust my uh, behaviors mm. um, in, in, in many ways. And, and I think dialectic behavioral therapy is a type of cognitive behavioral therapy uh, where you really learn to uh, observe your own tension and responses early on mm. so that you know you don't suddenly realize that oh shit i'm really scared and then you're in the middle of the response but that you really learn to recognize far before you actually even get there so that mm. you know then you are in a situation where you actually have choices and you can modify your mm. response and to also have that understanding of that you know it is possible to make some choices yeah it's not it's... something that comes over me but i you know if i can recognize it early enough I can make choices and I can adjust my behavior. I think Dr. Anna hit on a key factor in dealing with fears and getting past the fears that arise in our lives to recognize the signs early on, to somewhat anticipate the possibilities of what might happen, but without living in fear all the time of, of them happening. In essence, this is a form of mindfulness, even if she didn't use that terminology. I'll leave you with Dennis Patoko's advice. He had faced a moral dilemma earlier on in his career in the banking industry when he discovered one of his bosses was cooking the books, so to speak. Should he turn that person in or keep quiet? Could he lose his job either way? Ultimately, he did what was right and turned the person in. So what did you what did you learn from it? Um, did Do you think that that experience made you stronger or or more fearful of something like that happening again uh actually both uh it made me stronger because again and i'm this is going to sound a little bit self-effacing but i i felt like i had defined who i was at that point and i didn't know i was doing that you know there's that classic def definition of integrity is doing the right thing when no one else is watching <laughs> but yeah. from that yeah. point and i was relatively i was in my early 20s when this happened so from that point forward i can tell you uh and i went on to work for other large banks in the country because of what i did I was faced with very, very similar circumstances twice after that. Hmm. Different, different bank, different thing, but it was discovering, you know, the holy grail that nobody wanted to discover. And what do you do with it? Next, the second and the third time around, I didn't hesitate. I was just confident. And frankly, I got to the point of saying, you know, not that I don't care, but I don't have an alternative choice. Right. This is just who I am. And that has that has guided me. You know, people say, you know, what what grounds you that probably Boy Scout manicness with integrity, which came from the fear of that decision. It's been my litmus test for virtually everything I've done during my career since then. It's the old story, Mark, where people say, you know, you should always do the right thing. And I say that a lot. And then people say to you, well, how do you know what the right thing is? It's my opinion that you and I and everybody, when you get past the age of reason, you know what's the right and wrong. You don't need mom and dad to tell you, but you've, right. got, you've got a choice then that maybe you didn't have when you were young because you didn't know the difference. 
So yeah, the wrong answer, but that has been my guiding post ever since then. So would you say then that you have a sort of moral intuition? Yes, but I think with that comes some courage as well. Hmm. You know, and courage is kind of confidence born of trusting that intuition and you know wisdom of experience over time, I mean, knowing that it will work out and there are good people out there. But that took wisdom and that took going to the edge of that cliff and not knowing if there were water down there. Yeah. yeah. So is that how you generally deal with fear that's maybe not in the finance financial yeah. sector? Uh, fear and other aspects of your life, do you sort of approach it that way in a similar fashion? Yes. Yes, I think I do, Mark. And that's and I have to lean back on just trusting intuition. But you know, I it's not just that. It's the intuition or you know, people say trust your gut. Um, you know, my gut at 23 years old when I did that wasn't developed enough because I didn't have enough experience. Today, the wisdom behind it intuition of seeing the results of doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing. That's one thing. But the second thing I've learned when it comes to fear, uh, and this is really in the last decade or so, because I've been doing a lot of things I've never done in my life and taking a lot of risks because I could mm. learn that I'm surrounded by so many good people to offer what they call a hand up versus a handout. Mm -hmm. Or if I trip and fall, they're going to help catch me. Mm. Uh, and boy, that just gives you even more a courage yeah, to overcome confidence, fear. Yeah. It doesn't mean I got it all figured out, but it's okay. I've learned to exhale and say, look, it may not be perfect. I may actually trip and fall, mm. but that's all right. It doesn't have to be perfect, but that's, you know, that's migrating from a type A control personality when I was young to now just getting into that comfort zone, which is a combination of courage and confidence and, you know, a little bit of exhaling when things don't go right and saying, all right, we'll just move on. Mm. I love it. So we'll call that the intuition plus surround yourself with good people strategy. Here's your five minutes in today. The common thread amongst these strategies, whether it's Jim Jacobs in incrementally facing your fear strategy, Christine Meyer adjusting your mindset strategy, Michelle Insook's grim determination, Dr. Anna's dialectical behavior therapy or Dennis Patoko's intuition plus good people those are different angles to approach fear but the common thread is that you have a choice and in each scenario there was an element of blind faith knowing that you would be okay Jim Jacobs knew he wouldn't fall Michelle and Sook knew she would find a way to take care of her children and Zen sometimes we call this going with the flow a confidence that things no matter what will work out somehow or another so today or this week make a choice to deal with a fear and make a choice to have faith that you can do something about it you can change your mind accept your reality and believe it or not in many cases you can turn fear into something joyful Carly Simon used to be petrified of going on stage in front of people and I mean throwing up behind stage scared Bruce Springsteen, on the other hand, used to, I'm sure he still does, get excited about it. He couldn't wait to get on the stage and entertain folks. Two different mindsets for the same reality. So take something that scares you and analyze how you're feeling about it and make a conscious decision to change that fear into excitement. Even if you gotta fake it till you make it, tell yourself that you're excited about that presentation you're gonna give at work 
or that job interview that you're going to go on or that date that you're going to go on. Dive into the excitement of it, not the fear. That's it. I hope some of what you've heard is useful or encouraging. If it is, I could use your help. Zen Sandwich is listener supported. You can make a one-time donation of any amount. could be a buck through my host, Red Circle. That's at Red Circle. That's one word. RedCircle.com slash Zen dash Sandwich. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, so when you go to that page, you'll see a red sponsor this podcaster button under the cover art. And you can always become a continual supporter of the show through Patreon.com slash Zen Sandwich for just three bucks a month. Uh, if you do, I'll send you a handmade postcard on traditional Japanese paper from me to you wherever you are in the world. That's all, folks. Make a choice to fear less. And breathe. Don't forget to breathe.